Hello. Hello. And welcome to Bite Size Podcast. I'm Tally. I'm Adrian. And uh, we are, it's a new series. That's what it is. It's a brand new series. It's a brand new year. New new year, new new you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I don't even remember the last time we had a, like a real episode out. Uh, it's been a minute. The last one that we did was a nibble sewed for our Patreon subscribers, which if you're interested in getting more content from us, you can definitely check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash bite size podcast. Um, and there's cool, fun little mini episodes there. Um, you'll also get early access. And yeah, it's a good time. Plus, you help us support uh, this little thingy. And if you want the content to just get better. Um, That's you can too bad. Us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I will never. <laughs> no. <clears throat> we will never release good content. No, I'm just kidding. I think our content's pretty good. I like our content. Yeah, I have a good but time. But if you want it to get better, you can help us hire an editor by subscribing to our Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because otherwise it's just me trying really hard. <laughs> true, 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 true. I think you're doing great. I think I'm learning, though. Uh, yeah, I feel like every every series that we do, I feel like it continuously gets better. So hopefully everyone else in the audience agrees. Yeah. Please let us know. <laughs> yeah, please let us know. Uh, speaking of new fun things that our Patreons are supporting, we obviously have our website now, which is bitesizepodcast.com. Um, and there is a little mail button at the bottom where you can email us if you've got any questions or you want to tell us a fun thing related to the series. We'd love to talk about it. Um, also, tell us if it's fucking shit <laughs> and we should uh, get get good, as it were. <laughs> yeah, let us know. otherwise we think you guys love us or something yeah no comments is good comment yeah i think so (laughs) yeah uh so it's been a while so what what are you uh what have you been up to um uh so you know like always still remodeling the house um i think that's just going to be my entire life so (laughs) at this point Yeah. yeah so that's pretty cool um but my craft room is really coming together. Um, Ooh. Yeah, recently invested in a Cricut maker machine. Oh my god, those things look so cool. Oh my god, they're so awesome. Um, yeah, it wasn't like an. <clears throat> so are you like? It wasn't like an impulse buy, but it was very much adjacent to an impulse buy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of impulse. <laughs> yeah might as well (laughs) yeah really glad i got this round of plague bucks because really spent some money i shouldn't have that's a yeah i actually i've been i've been conserving pretty hard because i have road trip cross country coming up so right yeah yeah we'll get to see each other soon oh my gosh i'm so excited i'm very very excited i uh i'm it's so weird going so long without my mom, which sounds so dumb, <laughs> but I love my mom and, and my family and, and my friends there. And so like coming back is like definitely now a, a pleasure now that I'm an adult and it's like a choice to come back. Right. Um, and so I'm like really looking forward to being back in town. Yeah, it's going to be good. You're only going to be in town for like two days though, right? 
I'm yeah, literally, it's like so fast. I have to get my passport and I have to like you know get some things in order, up my registration on my car, which is another one, <laughs> um, and then you know pick up some stuff for my mom's house, get new tires, and then uh, we're off like a fucking herd of turtles. Shit. Yeah, I've never been. So in the summertime, I'm working in Maine and living in Maine, uh, really like as far north pretty much as you can get as possible. Um, and uh, so it's the farthest also I've just realized that I've ever been away from home or anything home adjacent. Oh my God, really? <clears throat> yeah. Huh. So like when I was in Rapid City, I'm in Rapid City, when I was in... Um, Utah, I was living with my dad. My dad lived there. And then when I was in California, my dad was just up in Washington. And, like, I'm from the area. So it was, like, and, like, I came out here with friends. And then I made friends here. And, you know, spent the vast majority of my adult life so far here in Tahoe. So it's, like, this is home. And, you know, going home to, like, the hometown is, like, going home to see mom. Um, and then even when I was in like Washington, DC, I was like with a friend who has been my friend for forever. So it was like, not like being away from home because (laughs) Pat was with me. And then now it's just like, I've never been here before. I'm like, it's still kind of a pandemic. I knew, I know that no one's really, you know, taking it. I feel like seriously anymore, as far as I can tell from my perspective and what I'm seeing people do. Right. Um, and now that people are getting vaccinated, they're definitely being more brazen oh, yeah, for <laughs> about <sure>. it. <laughs> um, and so it's like still kind of a pandemic, still everything's like up in the air. Cause like if everything like, you know, flips the script and then there's like a crazy variant that like starts like just blowing people up or whatever, <laughs> like your brain's exploding and shit. Um, yeah, you never which know. Which is a possibility. <laughs> like, it's always a possibility. I was playing Pandemic, actually, just to remind myself how fucking easy it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so I'm also going to be, like, in a new area with no one that I've ever, like, met before. And, like, I mean, I guess, like, my friend Nick is going to be up there. And I've been kind of talking to a person up from that area. So it's, like kind of but it's also like very scary and i just realized like yesterday <laughs> how scary that whole thing is so <laughs> yeah totally but it's going to be really fun too oh yeah it's going to be amazing i'm not worried about it i'm like i'm super excited i think everything's going to go really well i'm just you know i am cautiously nervous as well yeah probably for the best cool yeah. Augustus got his balls cut off. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Bisectomies are words at. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's in the cone of shame. Um, yeah, he just fucking rams into my body. Um, my shins and right above my knees are just bruises. So. Oh, no. <laughs> Mom, please help me. <laughs> so pathetic and adorable. big thing on my face. Yeah, you showed me that picture of him laying down. He's all like... <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the cutest thing, though. I love him so much. Yeah. Hell yeah. Are you gonna well, get a dog yeah. when you move? So I'm gonna kind of. I know that I can have a dog where I'm at here, um, or like animals, or like whatever. Like you, you can figure it out. Um, but I don't know about up there. But if I'm able to get like, you know, I am eligible for an emotional support animal. 
as recommended by my therapist. So if there's a possibility of me being able to have an emotional support animal, I definitely want to look into getting a, a puppy. Do it! Uh, one time when I was waitressing, someone <laughs> had an emotional support little teacup pig. Oh my god, that's adorable. It was the cutest fucking thing, dude. I fed it water from a straw, and it softly oinked at me. Oh my god. <laughs> it was adorable. the best day of work I've ever had. That's incredible. I met a woman in a... Um, uh, like a grocery store at Safeway in Rapid City that had an emotional support duck. <gasps> Hell yeah! And it was the cutest thing ever. It was like one of those ducks that have like the poof on its head oh, so it looked cute. like it had an afro and he was like in like a baby sling. Oh my god. And I was like at first I thought she was carrying a baby and then I saw it and I was like oh my god that's a fucking duck. Oh my god. That's oh, amazing. Man. It's so weird like the animals that have jobs. <laughs> yeah. Duck jobs. <laughs> duck jobs, dog jobs, pig jobs. They do it all. Give these animals jobs. <laughs> Give the animals what they want. Jobs. <laughs> I'm registering my ESA animal for the IWW. What up? <laughs> yeah. Shit. Well, uh, as you guys know, as we announced, this is the beginning of a new series, and we kind of talked about it if you heard our trailer, but this round, we are going to be talking about scams. Scam, scam, scams. Or whatever the sound effect is for scams. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. Like, maybe ching 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 It's like the Venmo notification sound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to be talking about scams. Um, we're going to do a little little bit of background today but it brings it into current times as well um and we're going to be talking a lot about intranet fraud <laughs> fraud uh yeah so just to get right into it and show you how scholarly we are um this is the definition from the wiki <laughs> <laughs> hard research here <laughs> yes really doing it uh so internet fraud is a type of cybercrime fraud or deception which makes use of the internet and could involve hiding of information or providing incorrect information for the purpose of tricking victims out of money property and inheritance um i want to skip through some shit and find these numbers okay according to the fbi's 2017 internet crime report the Internet Crime Complaint Center received about 300,000 complaints. Victims lost over $1.4 billion online in fraud in 2017. Jesus Christ, that's in one year. That's yeah. nuts. And as we'll get into later in the series, those numbers have only got, gone up since the pandemic go hit. <laughs> oh my God, I can only imagine. Yeah. <sighs> I just, I feel... The entire time that I've been doing, like, research so far, it's just, like, all I can think about is, like, I'm really, really thankful that my grandmother lives with my mom, who is, like, a pretty tech-savvy adult, but I know, like, so many people that are, like, my mom and my grandmother's ages that are just so exposed oh, yeah. to shit like this because of how the internet is, and especially now that they have to do most of their business on the internet, terrifying. Yeah. Like, the AARP website came up in a lot of my searches, so they have, like, a whole-ass side of the website that's teaching 
old people how to be safe on the internet, which is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I feel like, something that we're going to touch a lot on this series, like, in this series is, and like I said, we kind of said it in the trailers, like, hopefully we can give you some, like, tips about how to avoid some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, because we're going to be talking about it, so. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you about check fraud. <laughs> we check spelled C-H-E-Q-U-E. Yeah, the fancy check fraud, not regular... <laughs> Walmart check fraud. <laughs> this isn't your right. Kmart check. This is your fancy France check or whatever. Right. Could be Canadian. I don't know. Maybe Montreal. <laughs> yeah. <Why not? laughs> okay. Anyways, um, here are my sources. I used the sqnbankingsystems.com and crosscheck.com and also Wikipedia. Hell yeah. Okay. Oh, it says British English right here. Check fraud, British English. <laughs> or British English. or check fraud, American English. <laughs> oh my god, Jesus. <laughs> I love that there has to be a distinction and we couldn't just all, you know, speak regular yeah, I know. English. It's it's great. I love it. Made my life complicated. <laughs> my whole life. Anyways. Here we go. Okay, so check fraud, however you want to spell it, refers to a category of criminal acts that involve making the unlawful use of checks in order to illegally acquire or borrow funds that do not exist within the account balance or account holder's legal ownership. Most methods involve taking advantage of the float, which is the time between the negotiation of the check and its clearance at the check writer's financial institution to draw out these funds. So there are several types of check fraud. I did not know that at all. <laughs> I thought there was I... like two, <laughs> um, but, yeah. but there's nine. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so check. And so wait, go with on. this, there's nine different types. Is that um, like as specified by like some legal organization i don't know the fbi like legally these are the nine classifications of check fraud is that yes. what it is yep and i'm okay. gonna read them cool, off cool. to you right now hell yeah uh so check floating that's when you submit a payment from an account that doesn't have the money in it and that's where the float time comes into play so it's like you know you don't have the money you're gonna write a bad check anyways get the shit and then by the time they're like there's no money here you're already gone with the items right Check forgery, which is what I feel like most people are familiar with, is signing the check without proper authorization. Uh, so, like, right. you know, forging someone's signature or whatever. Um, right. That was what came to my mind when I thought of check fraud. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then there's check kiting, which is depositing a check from one account having insufficient funds into another account with insufficient funds to cover a check written from the second account. <laughs> So it's like two empty accounts, but the first one is like, hey, fucker, we need our money. So you write a check from the other account, even though it doesn't have any money, and you give it to the first one, and they're like, great, this is going to be fine. And then you leave. Well, then you just double overdraft. Yep, and then they're like, bank fees. <laughs> it's not fine, though. So it's, yeah, it's just like lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially, yes. <laughs> Turns out scams are just people lying. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> I never would have guessed. <laughs> Figured it out. Uh, check theft, which I guess is another obvious one, but I didn't think about it. It's just like stealing people's checks and then like using them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as if they were your own. <laughs> um, I'm sure that ties into forgery a lot, I would assume. Yeah. And also, identity theft is part of check fraud as well, because, you know, you could create a whole ass identity, and then you have all these fraud fraudulent checking accounts. Um, mm-hmm. So that's part of it. Number six is counterfeiting, which is another one that I feel most people are familiar with. People, like, print out not real checks, but they make them look real, and then just use them wow yeah that's so crazy that that's something that people can fall for right (laughs) but i'll get into that later it's pretty dope um right i mean it's bad not dope but it's not dope but you know yeah anyways um bank checks or money orders uh so you People will, like, print an unauthorized bank check or money order with the intent of defrauding. So it's, like, kind of along the same vein, only it's just using specifically money orders, essentially. Um, But that also falls into check fraud. Which are technically checks. Yeah. Yeah, They're checks that are owned by a, and insured, I'm sure, by a money place. Yeah. (laughs) Which is the technical term. (laughs) Yeah, you know. Money places. Money places. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, number eight is chemical alteration. Uh, mm. So using uh, solvents or cleaning agents to wash or alter parts of the legitimate check. So they'll like, you know, fucking smudge some details and put in some other details. Kind of like changing your report card back in the day. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Only more jail time. Yeah. Jail. <laughs> As opposed yeah. to detention. Yeah. <laughs> And then number nine is paper hanging, and that is writing and attempting to negotiate a check from an account having insufficient funds, which kind of, to me, sounds similar to check floating. Um, Right. Who's to say? Right. I'm not a lawyer, so. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, as I was doing this research, I learned a lot about, like, the money systems back in the day, like, like, fucking way back in the day, and it's really interesting so checks have been around since like the ancient romans um which when you think about it makes sense because all they had were coins and they're like fucking heavy and nobody wants to carry those um so they would like bop around town and like write these essential like iou things and then be like i'll just fucking wheelbarrow this over later and they're like cool whatever (laughs) i have the man servant bring it by the plaza yeah uh so they did that um, but checks as we know it, like the, like when you think of a check and you see it in your mind, um, those started in the early 1700s. Um, and like very soon after that check fraud was like, boom, here we go. Yeah. Instantly. Let's find a way to game the system. Yeah. And they were doing it pretty much in the same way that people do it now, like stealing people's checks, forging checks, not having money and just writing checks. Um, not surprising at all right probably super easy back then yeah uh so during that time one of the things that was shitty um was if you wrote a check like the person you gave it to they would have to go to their bank and you know there's a good possibility that you two didn't bank at the same place so they had to the bank that you're turning your check into would have these like carrier boys and they would take all of these checks at certain times of the day and have to like traipse around town going to the other banks with the checks and like physically get the money which takes like 
so much time. <laughs> also, it's probably super dangerous. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's like a bunch of murders of these people. Um, so yeah, just fucking children running around with too much money. Um, so then they invented the centralized clearing houses, which are still around today. You may see on your account, it's called like the ACH or something like that. Uh, it's like the American clearing house thing. Um, but they invented these clearing houses. So they were like these centralized locations. So like all the banks were like, this fucking sucks for everybody. Right. So let's just have one place where we send people and then you only have to go to that place. And then at the end of the day or whatever, they can go to their home banks. So that helped a lot, especially with like probably murders. (laughs) Murders. So in 1959, um, magnetic ink character recognition or MICR was invented and used to make checks. So this is uh, the special ink that is in checks that makes it hard, harder to make fake ones because like that's how they know the check is real it's like there are certain parts of the check that are printed in this specific ink and they can tell so right yeah kind of like how um dollar bills have continuously evolved and now they have like the security checks on them essentially yeah yeah so it's like that um so you know they were trying to crack down on fraud and it worked for a small amount of time but that ink like probably within months went to the black market (laughs) right absolutely as most things do yeah so they were like okay cool now we'll just print our fake checks with this ink and we're good um right it doesn't matter anymore yeah fuck so struggling so the the clearing houses at this time were like they're still evolving they're trying to make everything better um they're trying to keep up with the the demand of safe paperless payments because you know that's where we're at right now like who writes a check anymore um so the national automated clearing house association natcha i don't Mm. i don't know if they say natcha but that was formed in 74 um just to try to like get the whole country doing the same thing which is bizarre to me that it took that long yeah, I well, I mean, let's consider all of the other things that it takes the country to do all one thing at the same time. <sighs> yeah, so it, it's stupid that it took that long, but it also makes sense. It does, yeah, America. but yeah, it's startling <laughs> to think about. Right. Like, 74 was not that long ago. No, not at all. Super weird. Anyways, they did it. It's still doing its thing. Um, And then in 2004, the check clearing for the 21st Century Act took effect. So this enables um, money places to create electronic (laughs) images of checks. Nice. Yeah. Super helpful. Um, I know I've seen them back when I still had to use checks. You know, you could see them in your statement, like your online statement. It's just like a picture of your check. And you're like, cool, I really did write that. Yes. <laughs> right. And I think Black Hills Federal Credit Union still, like, when you deposit a check electronically, they will still send, like, or, like, if you, because the bank that I use allows you to cash checks at the ATM or deposit them into your account at the ATM. Yeah. And they will, when they print out your receipt, they will give you a, a, a scanned image of the check, essentially. Dope. I never take the receipt. I should look. <laughs> um. 
Oh, I get direct deposit. I don't even cash checks. <laughs> right. No, I don't I don't cash checks anymore either. I was like, wait a I second. Did. I don't even know about this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even need that anymore. What? <laughs> Never mind. We're moving on up to the east side. We got that direct deposit. Baby. Yeah. When my <laughs> grandma sends me my birthday check next, I'll look. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so after the peak in the 90s of, like, check fraud shit and whatnot, um, that's when checks began to be replaced by electronic forms. Because, like, check fraud in the 90s was fucking insane. Like, right. everybody was doing a check fraud. Everybody had a check <laughs> scam. Do it up. They had a check scam going on. Uh, so. It's insane to think about what the general public would let you get away with if you act like a nice person. It's true. Yeah. Even now I have done some shit that I know is like, okay. In hindsight here, I wasn't actually doing anything illegal and there was consent by all parties, but like at a small town bank where like everyone knows you and shit, it's like, this is still super fucking illegal, Cheryl. <laughs> you shouldn't be depositing this check into my account. Right. We'll let it slide. Cause I actually need this and, Whatever, but still. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so everybody, all the money places were like, let's get rid of this check shit. Um, <laughs> however, as of 2019, people still use checks, which is crazy to me, but they're there. I've never ordered checks. <laughs> I haven't either. Never, not once. Um, roughly 15% <laughs> of people use checks on a regular basis, and about 3% of people think checks are the best way to pay. <laughs> I wonder how old those people are. I would guess very. <laughs> I I have considered ordering checks for, I think, maybe twice in my entire life just so that I have them. Yeah. But then now, even the things, like, especially with COVID, and I feel like it's kind of revolution the, revolutionized the way we do things. And, and I think in a lot of really positive ways that make life a lot more convenient. But at this point in time everything that I can do with a check, I can now do online. So yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like kind of pointless. Right. Yeah. Um, many people now use electronic checks, like, um, you know, the direct depositing shit. It's all part of that electronic mm -hmm. stuff. Um, right. And the implementation of the check clearing act for the 21st century, um, that, increase the processing time so this allowed banks to use um like substitute checks rather than paper checks so it right. really just helped us move forward into the future right so um if anyone thinks anyone out there thinks that you are a victim of check fraud the best thing to do is just immediately contact your bank um i was like doing some research like to see if there was like a certain agency or whatever that handles check fraud, right. but probably direct report. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's just your bank. Um, probably cause there's not a lot of checks anymore. Um, but yeah, call your bank, have them cancel it, look into it immediately. Boom. Right. But I want to tell you about a man named Frank Abagnale, the infamous con man. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All of, yeah, all of this stuff is from Wiki. Um, that's my source on this. And a lot of the 
stuff from Wikipedia came from his autobiography. Right. So I thought that was cool. So Abagnale, um, if you don't know, he's a notorious imposter. Um, he claims to have assumed no fewer than eight identities, including a pilot, doctor, and a lawyer. Uh, he escaped from police custody twice, and he did all of that before he was 22. Jeez. <laughs> right? Dang. <laughs> I know. Like, holy he's shit. He's a regular flim flam man. <laughs> yeah. He's just fucking out there getting it. <laughs> <laughs> and then after he was caught... He served fewer than seven of his 12 years in prison, and then he started working for the federal government. Hmm. Yeah. So he's currently... So he's like the OG white hat hacker. Yeah. For check fraud. Exactly. Yeah. He's currently a consultant and a lecturer for the FBI, and he also has a financial fraud consulting company, which I think hmm. is kind of cool. So um, what you're saying is the best way to get rich and live well scam, is to scam, do scam. crime <laughs> and then work for the FBI. Yes, yes. Become just an be, alphabet boy. Just be really good at your scam. Nice. Yeah. Um, he was portrayed in Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie Catch Me If You Can. Oh, fuck yeah. I love that movie. I know. It's so fucking good. Um, also, I didn't know, but he had a cameo in it. When they arrest oh. Leonardo DiCaprio, um, mm-hmm. he's one of the police officers that is arresting him. Oh, that's that's a fun little Easter egg. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he wrote his autobiography in 1980, I think it was. And hmm. um, it was the same name. Also, weirdly, hmm. there's a Broadway musical about it. Well, we also have a Broadway musical about Spider-Man now, so. Yeah. So fucking weird. Which I tried to ignore and pretend didn't exist, and recently I saw something about Ugh. that, and I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot about that. I, mean, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> They'll turn fucking anything into a Broadway musical. <laughs> anything that makes money. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, you gotta give them something to do, I guess. Scam, scam, scam. Scam, scam, scam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so his first con... Um, he w- his first victim was his father. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh no! Not not dad. It was dad. Oh. Um, he gave Avignale a gasoline credit card uh, and a truck to assist him in his in commuting to a part time job. Um, hmm. So to get money, Frank devised a scheme in which he used the gasoline car to quote unquote buy tires, batteries, and other car related items at the gas station. And then ask the attendants to give him cash in return for the products. So he'd like return them. He'd buy them on the card and then return them to get money. Wow. And then. Which is why you can't do that anymore. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Am aware. (laughs) Right. I also try to scam, scam, scam sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. But it's scamming for myself. It's like, I don't want to go to the ATM. Please just. A lot of places have cash back now, which is nice. Yeah. True, true, true. Uh, so. so ultimately, his father was liable for a bill amounting to $3,400. <laughs> and Frank was only Jesus. 15 at the time. Damn. Yeah. Right? So after that, he started writing checks uh, from his own over- overdrawn account. So this would be like the check floating thing. Uh, and right. then when the bank started demanding money, he would move to a new bank with a new identity. <laughs> so he would just like open up bank accounts under like some alias 
And then, like, right. maybe... Because you really don't need shit yeah. to open a bank account. And definitely not back then. No. And you would just, like, maybe had some startup money in the account and then just immediately overdraw it until the bank was like, please stop and give us money. And then he would just fucking <laughs> ghost out of there. Dip. <laughs> but during this... Ghost ride the bank account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, during this time, he also started experimenting in other ways with, like, financial fraud. Uh, he started printing his own payroll checks and depositing them, which um, is shown in the movie when he's, like, carefully putting on the new name on top of another check or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, and when he was pressed for um, a cash advance, he would, like, pressure them, like, I'm putting this into my account, but I really need the money right now because, you know, right. it has to clear first. Um and then he would just, like, get the money. It's a fake check. They don't know. And then he would just fucking leave. <laughs> he What the fuck? I know. <laughs> he even used uh, he used to print his own account number magnetically onto bank, like, blank deposit slips. Like, when you go into a bank and you're filling out a deposit and then you go up to the teller, he would make his own of those and put them, like, randomly in the stack of real bank slips. So right. other people would grab those and, like, fill it out for their own account, but he already had his magnetically attached to that, so they would unknowingly... So run through the machine. Yeah, they would, would unknowingly be account. printing it into his. Oh, my God, that's so wild. It's so fucking smart. <laughs> right, I mean, yeah, if you have the technology and you fucking want to scam the shit out of people. Yeah, they probably then... don't do that now, but, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, so in a speech, because um, he does that now, uh, Frank described right. on occasion, um, when, an occasion where he noticed, like, the, the location where um, airlines and car rental businesses, like United and Hertz, they would drop mm-hmm. off their daily collections of money in a bag uh, and then deposit that into a drop box on the airport premises. So, you know, they had, like, a little safe box there. And, um, right. and then, of course, like, people like Garda come pick it up Yeah. whatever. So he just got a security guard disguise that he bought at, like, a Halloween store, and he put a sign over the box that said, out of service, place deposits with security guard on duty, and then he would just take their money. (laughs) And he was, like, joking in the speech. He was like, how can a drop box be out of service? Not sure, but people believed it. Yeah, dude, you put a fucking official-looking <laughs> sign in front of anything, you can convince anyone of the world. It's so true! It's... I would have fallen for that for sure! Oh, absolutely! If someone told me, oh yeah, I just have to give it to the security guard, yeah, absolutely I would have fallen for that. Yeah. In a, in a pin, like, in instantly. Yeah. God, I'm fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turns out we all are. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I want to talk about some of his, like, famous... Um, alter egos i guess that he used which Mm -hmm. can be seen in the movie as well um so like he did impersonate an airline pilot that is real um incredible yeah he said um he decided to impersonate a pilot to look more legitimate when cashing his checks so he got a uniform just by calling up pan am and telling him that he was a pilot working for them but had lost his uniform when, like, getting on a transfer and he needed to get one quickly. So they were just like, okay. <laughs> and shipped one to his hotel. Oh, my God. And he just, like, got, he gave them, like, a fake 
employee ID number and everything. They didn't check at all. They just were like, okay, here, cool. Here's here's a fucking awesome. uniform. Yeah. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. So then he forged a pilot's license. Like, he just made one um, that I guess looked legit enough that they believed him. Um, but he, between the ages of 16 and 18 is when he was doing this. He flew right. as a passenger on an estimated more than 1 million miles on 250 flights and flew to 26 countries. <laughs> Holy shit. For free. For yeah. free. Because they were just like, hey, I'm a pilot. I need to get to a transfer at this location. Yep. Can you put me on this plane? Yep. That's exactly what was happening. Um, he did, like, want to point out um, that he never, like, wanted to fly the planes or anything. He would always get on, like, other airlines because, you know, they do that for you and shit. Um, right. And there, you know, he he did say there were times that he would be called into the cockpit just to, like, hang out and bro down. And one time, <laughs> one time, a, one of the pilots did say, like, you want to take it over? And he, he said he did grab the controls, but he, like, pushed the autopilot, like, as fast as he fucking could. Because he was, like, I suddenly had the realization that there was 140 lives in my hands and I didn't want right. to fucking do that. <laughs> So I was like, okay, well, at least you don't want to kill people. That's great. So, also popular in the movie, he did um, impersonate a physician. (laughs) This shit is fucking wild, dude. So, for 11 months, Frank impersonated a chief resident pediatrician in the Georgia hospital under the alias Frank Williams. So he cho- he chose to go this route as the resident pediatrician um, after he was nearly arrested disembarking from a flight in in, in New Orleans. <laughs> so he was, because they were, you know, on to him, like, something's not adding up. Um, so he was afraid that he was going to get caught. So he, like, dipped out to Georgia and was like, fuck it, I'll be a doctor. Like, he literally was just like, fuck it, I'll be a doctor on a rental <laughs> application. It, I'll be a doctor. Yeah. Oh my god. He impulsively just wrote doctor one day on an application. Because <laughs> um, you just can, I guess. Yeah. What the fuck? Yep. So then he befriended a real doctor that lived, that happened to live in the same apartment complex that he did. And so he just started, like, pretending that he was also a doctor. And this dude, his neighbor was like, hey, do you want to be the supervisor of our resident interns? It'll be a great favor to me in the local hospital because we can't find anyone else. And he was like, okay. <laughs> I'll do oh it. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yep. Oh my god, that's wild. It's terrifying. But he did go on to say, like, since he was um, in charge of, like, the interns, he was in charge of seven interns, And these interns were super eager. Um, You know, they want to learn and prove themselves. So he just took advantage of them wanting to do that and just had them do everything. So he didn't... He was just really good at delegating, essentially. So he never really had to do anything that could really endanger someone's life. Um, Right. But then one day when he was on a late night shift, there was a critical moment where a baby came in that had oxygen, oxygen deprivation. And right. he didn't 
know what to do because he's not a fucking doctor. <laughs> right, um, exactly. Yeah, so luckily the baby was fine, but he decided after that, like, that was too close of a call and he didn't want to fuck with that anymore. Right. So then he decided to be an attorney. <laughs> good, 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 good. Just running through <laughs> doctors, lawyers, pilots, everything that everyone wants to be when they grow up. That's what he's going to yeah, be. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he's doing all before the age of 22, which fucking blows my mind. Right. So back when he was a pilot, he had forged a Harvard University law transcript just for, like, fucking funsies. Um, oh, my God. He apparently did pass the Louisiana bar exam, but I think it took him several tries. Like, I think he had to do it three or four times or something. That pisses me off that he could just on a whim. Yeah. Pass. Oh my God. What the fuck? He did say, like, he goes on to explain, like, it was a matter of figuring out what you didn't get right and then just learning the right answers from there. So it was like... (sighs) This fucker. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So he got a job at the Louisiana State Attorney General's office at the age of 19. Yeah. Wow. Fucking crazy. Um, so he got this job because when he was pretending to be a pilot, he had like briefly dated a flight attendant, which I'm hoping wasn't, I don't know, because he was so young when he was doing that. I hope it wasn't weird stuff. <laughs> right. But she was the one who introduced him to a lawyer friend. So, you know, Frank was like, fuck it, I'm going to be a a lawyer. going to hit him up. Here we go. So, yeah, yeah, he just went there and, um, yeah, right here it says he, he says he passed it on the third try, but I don't think there's ever been any, like, solid evidence that he actually did. So. Right. Maybe, maybe not. But in his biography, he described that his legal job was more like of a, like a gopher boy. He would like do all the fetching yeah. and do all the stuff. He wasn't doing like super crazy lawyer stuff. Um, right. So yeah, it wasn't like he was out there winning cases or anything or ruining people's lives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah. But he started to get, they started to catch on to him because they started to get really suspicious of like his, his um, school career, you know, like his uh-huh. fucking fake credentials. <laughs> they started when to he get... was 19 or whatever. Yeah. So they started to like have some real fucking doubts about him. And one of his coworkers was like really fucking like, you know, when you watch a movie and there's that one coworker or, you know, side character that's like, I'm on to you. And they like, do all they Highly can. suspicious. Yeah. He had one of those and was, like, really pressing him and, like, quizzing him all the time about his qualifications and, like, trying to look into, like, trying to convince the boss to do, like, a full background check on him. Like, did not fucking nice. trust him. For good reason. Right. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um. So Frank felt that he was going to get caught, so he bounced before he could. That's nice. Yeah. But then he was arrested, um... And he, he did escape, but like, he was such a dumb, dumb, like he stayed in the area. Like he stayed in DC, he got arrested in DC and he didn't leave the city. So he was just like still bobbing around in the city and they fucking caught him because he was just like strolling down the street and the police were like, oh shit, that's that guy. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that, that, get that man. <laughs> That's literally how That's they crazy. caught him. 
Yeah. And so, yeah, like I said, now he is a consultant and he's still alive and doing stuff and doing legal stuff, you know? Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's a really good example of a story ending well. Yeah. Unfortunately, that was not the case (laughs) for a man that I'm going to talk to you about. Someone whose name you've probably heard, um, but don't necessarily know what he's about. So for a moment, I'd like to talk about Charles Ponzi. I'm so excited to learn about Charles Ponzi. Yeah, so Ponzi of the famous, uh, of Ponzi scam (laughs) or Ponzi scheme fame, Um, was an Italian immigrant that executed one of the most famous financial scams in history. Um, He was believed to have been born... Oh, by the way, I got uh, most of the stuff from biography.com for both of the things that I'm going to talk to you about today, uh, as well as the Wikipedia page. Um, We love a wiki. So, we love a wiki. It just puts everything right there for you, you know? It's great. Um, It's great. Um, so he's believed to be, to have been born Carlo Ponzi in Parma, Italy, um, and arrived in Boston, Massachusetts in 1903 with $2.50 in his pocket, having gambled away the majority of his money on the journey to the States in the boat. Classic. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, later in life during an interview with the New York Times, he's quoted as saying, I landed in this country with $2.50 in cash and a million dollars in hopes, and those hopes never left me. Uh, however, from the time he arrived in America, he spent a large portion of that time in jail for several smaller scams. Scams, scams, scams. Ranging, <laughs> scams, scams, scams. <laughs> ranging from check fraud to smuggling Italian immigrants into the United States from Canada. So this is a busy man. Like he didn't, he, he like worked for a bank at one time. And then when the bank went bankrupt, like he tried to like steal money from like the the bank by like cash like check fraud um cashing illegitimate checks um so guy made his way around (laughs) however in 1918 after spending time in prison for the latter crime of smuggling people into the united states from canada he married a stenographer named rose necco and also worked for her father in his grocery store um however this was never enough for him Uh, so while he was working in this grocery store and during that time, he came up for the idea for one of the most well-known financial scams in history. Um, like they fucking named it after him. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) It's, it, that's some shit. The returns that he was making were fucking insane. Like, especially for like what he was doing. It's just crazy. So. Um, after receiving a letter from Spain containing what is called an international reply coupon, um, which is something that could be exchanged for a number of priority air mail postage stamps from another country, which I don't know if any of you guys send an extensive, extensive amount of mail, but, <laughs> um, postage is very expensive for like certain things yeah. like going through customs, things like that. And especially I assume back in the day, even more so because postage costs were so much higher to send things priority. Right. They were like on horses um, and shit. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, especially in, like, other foreign countries, you know? Um, 
So he realized that he could send money to people that he knew in other countries where the stamps cost less and then have them send him the IRCs that could then be exchanged and sold at a higher cost than what he paid for them. Okay. So he'd send people money. He would make like a 400% return on investment because he was selling them for a much higher rate in the United States um, or other countries where he had contacts. Um, So like I said, some of these sales were exceeding a 400% profit margin. Um, However, the real work came on when he started to take on investors. So obviously he was making a lot of money, but he was like, I could make a lot more money if I had like capital and I had more money to work with. So he would guarantee these huge profits and then he would pay returns from early investors with the new money that he was getting from new investors in a circle that is rumored to have at one time net him $250,000 a day. Holy shit. Back then? Yeah. Yeah. Holy That's fuck. I don't even know what the exchange rate is for that, but it's a fucking lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, $250,000 in a day is a crazy amount. Today. Yeah. It's a stupid, stupid amount of money. <laughs> Um, Holy fuck. So this lasted until 1920, when an investigation of his company by the Boston Post triggered his investors to start just pulling from the company, leaving him with nothing but 86 counts of mail fraud and owing over $7 million in 1920 Holy and shit. leading to a prison stay of 14 years. Was there even $7 million in the world back then? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, fucking insane. Um, So his wife eventually divorced him in 1937, and he died penniless with nothing in Rio de Janeiro in 1949. Womp womp. Yeah. Oh, he's a dapper-looking man. Yeah, he's a good-looking dude. I was like, dang, okay. Yeah, I fucking trust you. You can scam scam me. (laughs) Yeah, scam me any time, Ponzi boy. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. Um, so there's been a couple different, uh, Ponzi scams that have gone over. His obviously being the most famous, being the first one, uh, set the tone. (laughs) Um, but my favorite Ponzi scam, and I think maybe this is only because like, I have like a massive crush on Taron Egerton, who's a British actor. Um, but there's a very notable example of a Ponzi scheme, Um, which is the activities of an 80s Southern California billionaire boys club. And I say that in quotations here on my notes. Um, Also known as like BBC Incorporated, which was the, it was the um, initials for the Bombay Bicycle Club, which is like a chain of restaurants and also a really wonderful uh, early 2000s indie band. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, but that is the story of a lower class, a lower class kid, um, who with the help of his rich best friend drew many social elite prep school jock idiots, like into this high return investment deal that was based on his bets on gold future, like gold futures. So the price of gold essentially. Right. Um, and mentored by a con artist. (laughs) Aw, touching. Um, Yeah. So he was like one of their first investors, but of course he was a con man. So he was just trying to like scam these fuckers, you know, scam the scammers. Scam, 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 scam. scam. <laughs> <laughs> um, so somehow these men convinced people to continue investing in the profits um, 
and then the profits were used to furnish lavish lifestyles for the members of the club. Um, however, in 1987, the founder, Joe Hunt, which was this kid who like got into this really good prep school, um, also called Harvard, which <laughs> not affiliated to the <laughs> law school. Um, how original. He there, right. <laughs> he was there on scholarship. And so like, he got in, he was the smart kid with the scholarship and, um, he ended up befriending this guy, Dean Carney, and then saying, you know, like you can make these investments and, and do the stuff. And then they were like, I, I know people that will invest in this. Like I can, you know, come on, let's, let's, <laughs> let's scam, scam, scam. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, this all came to a head in 1987 when, Joe Hunt was charged with the murder of con artist and mentor Ron Levin, who was said to have swindled them out of something like $4 million and then was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. Okay. And I've included a picture of Joe Hunt in here. Look at that little smirk he's got going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, However... It is speculated that not only did Joe Hunt not kill Ron Levin, but that he is still alive with the four million swindle dollars. Oh, shit. Um, and that he is just, like, hiding out maybe in Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> Who knows? Oh. Um, but this guy is, like, pretty, like, well-known as an infamous flim-flam man, as is described in his biography page. Um and so people think that he dipped out because they were never able to find the body. And the only reason why um, it was brought to their attention is that Dean Carney, who's the scared rich kid who like wanted, you know, now wanted to back out. Um, he pled uh, to testify for immunity um, against that murder. Also, another member of the Billionaire Boys Club, Reza as. I can't spell it. It's E S L A Esla Minia. Esla Minia. Yeah. Um, was all his father, Hediat? Hediat. H E D A Y A T. I feel like half the show is me mispronouncing names. He refused to invest in this billionaire boys club. And so Reza and his, you know, friends, the bodyguard, um, of the billionaire boys club founders, um, and Dean and Reza all like murdered his dad because he wouldn't invest. And he had this $35 million fortune. Um, however, it turns out daddy was not rich and did not have $35 million. He was actually almost completely broke, which is like, Oh, no wonder. (sighs) why you didn't want to invest. <laughs> uh, and then they killed him. Oh <laughs> and then they went to jail. Um, however, with the Ron Levin thing, the only, you know, they never found a murder weapon. They never found the body. So it's highly, it's speculated that, you know, he didn't kill him. However, with the testimony of Dean Kearney, Carney, whatever, um, he ended up being charged for that. And of course, like I said, was sentenced to life without parole. Shit. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. So that leads us into the modern era um, and and some more fun things that are... It's kind <laughs> of... So 
we're going to talk about pyramid schemes. We're going to talk about multi-level marketing. Um, so yeah. dust off your uh, Facebook messages from your high school friends that you haven't talked to in years and who suddenly <laughs> messaged you out of the blue. Yeah. Um, similar to a Ponzi scheme, but unique in its own fun way is the pyramid scheme. Uh, in this scheme, the originator of the company is seeing the largest amount of profit, followed by first-generation investors and second-generation investors and so on. The idea is usually that you are selling a product, but you're selling the product to your other investors to sell to other people and also to sell to other possible investors that you can bring underneath you so that they can try and sell the product and you're making a portion of their profit and then the person above you is making a, par a portion of your profit and the person above you is making a portion of their profit all the way up to the top where you're seeing the most margin of profit with the owner of the company because they're the ones that like have the stuff. It's such right? like when you break it down, it sounds so fucking terrible. And yet so many people get into this. Right. I mean, when I was doing research about this, the only thing that I could think about is the fact that you have like, you know, a CAO, a CEO, and then you have senior level management teams and then you have, you know, department heads and then you have middle management and then you have employees and the employees, the frontline employees are the ones doing all the work and creating all of the product or the service. And then all of that profit is then going to the highest person on top and then filtering its way down into the pockets of the employees and every, you know, all of the <laughs> extra profit, the surplus profit is actually just stolen labor. Yeah. So, you know, pretty much the entire setup for job markets are based technically on a pyramid scheme, if you think about it. Well, I mean, when you put it that way, sure. But the difference is <laughs> we all have different jobs. <laughs> We're right, not true. all trying to be in the same fucking pyramid. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what exactly. makes it different. We have all different things to do. Yeah. Yes. Because um, eventually, like, this pyramid way. shit's going to run out. Like, what happens? Right, that you run out of people, and then you're like, oh, well, that didn't make me any money, and then the CEO runs away with a bajillion dollars. Yeah. So... If you say you're at the top, you recruit two other people, you split the profits, then the only way for them to make money is to recruit more people. But for every person they recruit, you are their supply chain. So you're receiving a portion of the profit from every person that they recruit and every person that they recruit. And that's how the pyramid works. Um, so it just like funnels its way slowly, very slowly up the chain. So what ends up happening is you have an army of ants working for the top guy who gets as many recruits as possible without really selling any product, mostly because no one wants to fucking talk to you anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, no, I don't want your fucking leggings. Get out of here. <laughs> right. Or your fucking makeup or your whatever, your diet pills or your fucking essential oils yeah. that cause skin rashes and haven't actually <laughs> been researched by anyone. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, thank you. Um, so a great example of this is actually one of my favorite new shows on Showtime. It's not super new. I think it's like from 2018, but I just recently started watching it. Uh, there's only one season. Uh, beware, there are going to be spoilers. So this is for, uh, on becoming a god in Central Florida, which first of all, that's what like attracted me was the name. Um, I hate Kirsten Dunst. What? <laughs> I, I don't like her. Aww. I don't like her acting. I think Kirsten Dunst to me is like watching her act is like kind of like, 
at least in her modern films, is kind of, like, watching, like, everybody's complaint about, like, Kristen Stewart, I feel like. That's how I feel about Kristen Dunst. Like, I don't, I just don't think, I think that she's, like, very good at certain things, and I think that that's what she should stick to, and I feel like she hasn't done, like, that's just just me. This is my opinion, and totally irrelevant. I mean, I don't really care about Kristen Dunst either. (laughs) Right. I, I, I've liked her in three things. Bring it on, obviously, because it's classic. Yeah. <laughs> um, Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is an amazing movie, and you should all watch it. And then this show, um, and the show centers around. Wait, you didn't like her in Interview with the Vampire? No. What? No, I thought she was dumb. I didn't believe it. Well, she was a child. <laughs> It's true, but I've also seen child actors do some really fucking incredible things, and Kristen Stewart just did not, or Kristen Dunst just didn't sell it for me, personally. But I read the books, and I was a big fucking nerd. Oh, I can't fucking get into Anne Rice's writing. Oh, it's terrible. Really? I fucking hate it. I mean, I was a child, so, like, when I was reading this, I shouldn't have been, honestly, because they're cleverly disguised romance novels for sad midwestern housewives (laughs) (laughs) but i was also really into twilight back in the day too i still have never something terrible for myself (laughs) i still have never read or watched the twilight movies uh don't read the books the movies are really not that bad okay it's whatever i think they're kind of funny actually i just recently rewatched them and it, it was a good time it was hilarious to me um anyways entertaining regardless anyways so the show centers around this woman who is a recent widower who is saddled with her husband's quote-unquote supply chain for a company called called Fam, uh, which sells household products. Um, like I said, I'm going to say spoilers, so fast forward if you don't want to hear. Uh, but essentially her husband dies, and he dies because he's, like, overworked because he's trying to work his job and, like, go, like, see people to try and, like, sell this product. Mind you, this is, like, the... I think it's, like, the late 80s, early 90s. So, like, he's, like, working himself to death trying to fucking, like, become his own business owner and, like, follow these, like, tapes that come with the program and tell you about, oh, you're gonna be, you're your own business owner. Same fucking bullshit they've been peddling for fucking years. Um, And then he, like, gets into a car accident because he's, like, you know overworked and then he's like oh i'm fine it's totally great and then he like gets out of his car and he's eaten by a fucking alligator it's wild (laughs) it's wild um but after he dies kristen stewart who has like been trying to get him to not do this anyways because she's highly suspicious of the whole thing not kristen stewart i just keep saying that kristen dunst (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was like wait a second Um, No, her character uh, starts investigating his like down chain or his down line um, and finds out that like her husband has like pretty much been like putting him in the fucking poorhouse because he's been buying all of the fam products, not being able to sell it, trying to prove that he's generating a profit and then storing it at this fucking woman's house. And then she's like, fuck, what am I going to do? Like, I have to fucking find a way to sell it. Nobody's fucking selling this shit or nobody's buying this shit. Like, and so she like comes up with like all of these like clever ways to like try and like make it work. Um, and like the fam people get like, it gets like fucking cultish really fucking quick. And it's just super fucking wild. And everyone should go watch it if they want to know about pyramid schemes. What's it streaming on? Um, so it's on Showtime. Okay, so Hulu. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Hulu. Um, so Pyramid Scheme, network marketing, multi-level marketing, it's all the same thing. It's all, you know, 
pushed under a different name and yeah they, you know, they try to spin it, it so it doesn't sound as shitty but like when they explain it right. to you you're like no it's the same fucking thing so that's a that's a pyramid scheme is what you're saying and they like even they've so <laughs> when you <laughs> when you go to these meetings and you like do these things to like learn more information about it they've even changed it so it's not a pyramid like the diagram that that they show you isn't a pyramid anymore it's like a circle right and then there's, like, a person in the center of the circle, and then there's, like, circles attached to that person's circle, and then circles attached to the other people's circles, and so on, so forth, like, expanding on into eternity. So it's a 2D so, aerial view of a pyramid. <laughs> right, exactly. Literally. <laughs> literally. Um, so according to a report that studied the business models of 350 mar- multi marketing systems in the United States, published by the Federal Trade Commission, at least 99% of people who join multi-level marketing companies lose money. I am not <laughs> surprised by that statistic. <laughs> yeah. So despite the recent messages you've been getting from that high school Facebook friend, multi-level marketing or MLM and pyramid schemes are far from being a new thing. And while generally it's a terrible idea to join one, and I wouldn't recommend it, here are some companies that have continued to make money over the years. Uh, the first one is Amway. Now, this... Uh, I'm realizing now that I don't know what Amway does or sells. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what they are. And I didn't look it up either because <laughs> I'm a dingus. <laughs> um, let's see. Amway. Oh, it's vitamins. It's vitamin supplements. Oh, gross. Okay. Who's buying their vitamins from a pyramid scheme? <laughs> Lots of people. Oh, no. Lots of people. Oh, my God. So their total revenue... Um, in based on a 2019 report is 8.8 billion dollars. Jesus Christ! Over the years, yep. <laughs> um, and then there's Avon, which is actually one of the world's oldest multi-level marketing schemes. Um, and here's my thing with Avon: is Avon actually sells a product that like sometimes works. Like there are Avon it's products true. that I enjoy. It's true. Um, and so it's understandable that people would be making money on these things because it's it's a product that people actually want to buy. Right. And it's also, like, an, a known name yeah. that's old. And, you know, the Avon lady with the pink Mercedes, like, Yeah, and they, you know. they've been around so long, it would be weird if their product didn't work at this point, you know? Right, right, exactly. And so their profits um, look like about $5.68 billion. Um, And then there's Herbalife, which is another vitamin supplement <laughs> company. Um, which sits at four point nine billion, um, and then Inf- Infinitus in Infin Infinitus is what I'm gonna go with. Yeah. Um. Which uh, baby stuff? Yeah, I believe so. Really? Like infant? No, it's more like infinite us. Infinite us. I in oh infinite us. <laughs> Is a multi-level, multi-networking Asian company known for its able herbal healthcare products. Again, herbal healthcare. Everybody just loves that shit. Um, and is the parent company that owns Lee Kum Kee brand, one of the most established and renowned cooking brands in the world today. What? Oh. No way. That's wild because I love, oh, they make a sauce or something huh. that I really enjoy. Okay, so you're Lee telling Kum me Kee. that there are literally billions of dollars going into pyramid scheme vitamins and there are people that are like wary of the vaccine (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, Lee Kum Kee. They do uh, noodle bowls and sauces. I love a noodle bowl. Yeah, absolutely. We love a noodle bowl. Um, I also, yeah, I love their, their, they have a chili sauce that I buy frequently. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't even know. Um, so the only MLM that I've ever spent a lot of time interacting with was Avon because I had a roommate whose mom sold it. Um, and it's still, like I said, one of the oldest and still successful MLMs in the country. Um, however, I also remember when I was younger going to like floor shows and like trunk sales and like stuff like that and seeing like the ones that they used to have at like the civic center where everyone would bring like a whole bunch of shit and they were like, you know, like fairs. Oh yeah. Like, like flea market. Fairs, but yeah. So, um, I remember going to those with my mom cause she would go to like try and find old beads and things like that. And, uh, there would just be women selling boxes and boxes and boxes of Avon products because they couldn't sell them and they'd order it because they come with like startup kits and things like that. And they'd spend the money on it and then they couldn't turn the product. And so they'd sell it at these trunk shows. Yeah. Fuck. I still occasionally see that. Like, um, do you remember when we went to that technology and education thing at the civic center? Yeah. There's a fucking woman selling those MLM essential oils there. Oh, the doTERRA. Yeah. At a tech show? I didn't, I don't remember seeing her. Yeah, she was totally there. I was like, bitch, what are you doing? This is not technology. This is not your place. (laughs) This is not where you should be. Yeah. (laughs) That's so wild. Yeah, and doTERRA is also a very, it's wildly successful. I don't know, that's the thing is like, anytime someone tries to sell me something, I run away in the opposite direction as quickly as possible. Yeah, just let (laughs) me do my internet shopping in peace. I don't want to be told about right. something <laughs> from recognized brands that are you know people that i want to interact with and products that i want to buy yeah essentially so so there you have it yeah shit it's really easy to fall into these traps um people it's do crazy. it all the I time actually, <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like it's really rough right now because we're seeing a lot of the stuff with like QAnon and things like that. And like people going through that. Um, we have a, a family friend that just recently uh, had to be removed uh, from their living situation because they had fallen so deep down the hole. And then when Trump didn't win, they lost their minds. Oh, And this is a person that was, like, really well-educated. This was a person that was skeptical about, you know, other things. This is a person that, you know, just a a normal person, essentially, is what you would say. You know, a normal person. So it's like, how do people fall for these things? And how do people get sucked into these things? And, like, I even have, like, friends that, like, try and do, like, I don't know if you've seen anything about Ethereum, which is, like, another, technically it's, like, an MLM thing, but it's with Bitcoin instead, and they're, yeah. like, seeing instant returns, and even though they're small, they're, like, they're just going to keep getting bigger if I recruit more people, and I'm getting a portion of their sales and blah, 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 but, like, also, like, Bitcoin is, like, it's not even Bitcoin, it's just cryptocurrency is, like, something that I don't even really want to get into because also, like, now cryptocurrency, you're seeing a rise in things like, um carbon pollution because all of these data centers have to exist in order to house it yeah, and like for sure it's just so wild and like these are people that like they're just fucking desperate 
they just want to, they don't want to be like, you know, bogged down by their employer. Um, they want, you know, to, to make money, like they want to do something they're putting in the work and the effort to do it. It's just that they're being fucking rolled over by a fucking asshole. Yeah. And it's really fucking shitty to watch, you know? It's crazy. What the things that Such we let bummer. ourselves, the things that we let people get away with. It's uh, it's pretty wild. Um, so because we are talking about um, MLMs, uh, let's talk about some things that you want to watch out for. Um, so this is from a site called Fairy Good Boss. Cute. Um, yeah. Super cute. So here are the 10 rad... Fuck my life. The 10 (laughs) rad flags of a multi-level marketing 10 rad flags, man. The 10 rad flags. (laughs) Um, There are no products to sell, which is, like, what I was sketched out about, like, the Ethereum thing. It's like, well, you're just telling me to give you money. You're not saying that, like, it's actually going to go anywhere other than to just you. That's weird. Yeah. Um. There are low quality products that they're selling, which there's another MLM called Monet, which recently was getting talked up a lot. It's spelled M-O-N-E-T, which is like a hair brand um, that is said to like increase the thickness and fullness of your hair. And it's a multi-level marketing scheme. And there was a huge amount of lawsuits that were coming in because people were trying this product and then all of their hair was falling out. Oh my God. And they continue to deny all of this. Um, and my friend got, like, into selling it. And I was like, I'm never fucking putting that anywhere near my hair. Because the first thing that I do when someone's like, oh, you should try this out, is what do I do? I fucking look it up. Yeah, as you should. <laughs> and see, like, what's going on. And the first thing that comes up is, like, an ABC article with all of these fucking women that are like, all of my fucking hair fell out. Oh, my God. Fuck that. Yeah. So, uh, the products are overhyped. Um, maybe the company calls its products revolutionary or game changing or other outlandish adjectives. It's like when diet pills are like, you know, get the dream body you've always wanted. It's like, you know, that's not going to happen. If you want the dream body you've always wanted, you have to work for it, unfortunately. Or, you know, have it be the late seventies, early Mm eighties and your diet pills are just meth. Yeah. True, 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 true. (laughs) One or the other. Yeah. If it (laughs) sounds too good to be true, it usually is. Because it is. Uh, four, the company convinces you to stock up on the product, which is like we were saying with the, uh, uh, fam <laughs> products from the show. Like, yeah, buy all of this bulk stuff. And then like, but the thing is, is if you're bulking up on product, what you're doing is your money is going to the profit yep. of this person and the person ahead of them. It's like the shit the they person ahead of sell. Them. So they sold it to you. <laughs> exactly. Um, so every portion of the product that you're purchasing goes to them and everyone above them. And it's filtered down like that with the person at the top receiving the most, the biggest cut of all of that. Um, so if you stock up on a bunch of it, that means that you're giving a first, a large first time investment, quote unquote. But what you're actually doing is just paying that person who hasn't been paid in months because they can't Mm -hmm. fucking sell anything. Yeah. 
the company makes you pay to join the program. Don't do it. So obviously. Never do Kind of same thing. (laughs) (laughs) The company makes you pay for extensive training for the job. If you're going to get trained for a job, they're going to train you for free. They're like, think of every other job you've ever had. Did you have to pay for training classes? No. The company paid you to go to trainings. Yeah. Obviously. This should be right out there. Uh, The company makes bold futures. (laughs) Are bold claims about your financial future. I know. Think about what you're selling. <laughs> First of all, think about what you're selling. It's, you're not going to be a fucking millionaire by the end of next year. Yeah. It's not going to happen. I remember I went to a quote unquote business meeting with a coworker of mine when I was like 18 and already I knew I was like, this is fucking stupid. It was for an energy drink. Um, and the guy held the uh meeting in his like four car garage oh no and he had like his atvs and his ski do like parked in his garage and he was like talking about yeah within a year i was able to buy both of these things and a brand new truck and i'm like that's not no absolutely no um the company can't answer your questions um So if you don't know anything about the product that you're selling, first of all, you shouldn't be selling it. That's a big, big red flag. Like, don't fucking do that. Yeah. Um, The interview is more the recruiter talking than listening. Um, This is a person trying to sell you a product. Period. End of story. Because they know that their only financial gains are coming from them selling you this product. So obviously they're going to sell you down the river. Literally. Um. (laughs) And 10, you get a weird gut feeling. That's a great, that's a great way to point it out. If you start asking questions and people are being weird or being like, oh, don't ask questions. Like, don't you see how much money I've made or blah, blah, blah. Or like, if you like reference something that's like, well, just so you know, when I looked up this product, there's a bunch of lawsuits saying that this made women's hair fall out and they get defensive about it. If it makes you fucking feel weird, don't fucking do it. Yeah. Period. End of story. And think about also the person that you're talking to. Think about the person that you're talking to that's trying to recruit you into this. Is like, is this a person that is reliable? Is this a person that you trust? Is this a person that you know um, has obviously benefited financially from their decision to quote unquote girl boss and own their own job, <laughs> you know, like own your own business? Like, can you can see this person's standard of living, obviously, because you have them on Facebook, you have them on social media. So like, you know, it's like, think about who you're buying the product from. If you wouldn't buy, I don't know, fucking groceries from this person or fresh produce, you wouldn't buy, you know, makeup or hair care products or dietary supplements, right? Right, right. Exactly. So, there you go. Yeah. Fucking A, man. Things to watch out for. Resources, uh, if things do happen. There you go. Uh, John Oliver does a really good special on MLMs. I'll have to check it out. I like it. Yeah, it's really fucking good. Would recommend. I've sent it to several people in my life that have been considering joining MLMs. It's so fucking sad to see because these people are normal people. Like I said, it's like these people are not people that are uneducated. These people sometimes are not people that, you know, mean harm or anything like that. It's just, you know. Yeah. Sometimes people get swindled. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. Swiper, no swiping. Swiper, Don't no get swiping. Scam, 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 scam. Scam, scam, scam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So that's episode one. We did it. Yeah, we did do it. Um, what have you been playing? 
Um, I haven't really been playing much of anything. Um, I've been disassociating on my couch. <laughs> That's a vibe. That's a vibe. Um, I Absolutely. I literally thought about that the other day. Like, fuck, I've just been like, sometimes I'll just be on the couch with like a show in the background and not even watching it and just like fucking zoning hard. Right. Um, Contemplating life. Yeah. So I should probably not do that. It's <laughs> <laughs> a vibe. Yeah. Um, um... Yeah. Now I'm depressed when I think about it. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Maybe you should play some. You should play some video games. About yeah, it. I probably should. You should get Final Fantasy fourteen and play online with me. I have it for my PS four. Do you really? Yeah, I've never played it. <laughs> we should. You should definitely play it because it's super, oh especially you're like a, you're into WoW and stuff. Like it's like a pretty fully formed like it's a really good mmo that's what i'm playing i've been playing is just fucking final fantasy 14 all the time i'm not surprised that you were playing a final fantasy game <laughs> no absolutely here i told every single episode i have to mention it at least once yeah <laughs> true, true, true. final fantasy um but yeah that's what i've been playing final fantasy 14 i am not an mmo person i was not good at wow uh the fact that you can't auto target things makes me upset the fact that you can't set up like Chain commands. Ooh, sorry. <clears throat> Chain commands is like a little irritating, but I guess that's like the really the only active part of an MMO is pressing the buttons in a sequence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you took that away, then it might not be fun for other people. But for me, I think it's great. <laughs> I'm lazy and I just want to look at pretty shit and be a bunny lady. So. Did you give up on WoW then? I did, yeah. I canceled my subscription officially. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't get sucked into it. I really didn't. Um, at least not like, I mean, like with Final Fantasy, it's like, this is something that like I already like. And like, there's also, so my favorite Final Fantasy game, as many of you probably know, is uh, Final Fantasy XII. Um, and the game designer that did Final Fantasy XII is also involved with Final Fantasy XIV, and also there is a special quest called Return to Ivalice, where you get to go back to Rabinaster and, like, see, like, part of that, like, you know, that Final Fantasy XII action, and, like, actually get to go to, like, the cities and stuff and do quests, and I'm really fucking excited <laughs> to get to that point in the game. <laughs> well, I'm happy so, yeah. for you. Thanks! <laughs> Flushing my life away slowly but surely. Yeah, maybe I'll <laughs> cue that shit up. Fuck yeah. Alright. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, I want to give a very special shout out to my friend who has now rebranded as So and So. Um, so that's stylized S-O ampersand so uh you can find them on soundcloud um they do our intro music did our intro music and provided that for us and also um are just really wonderful and you should definitely go check out their stuff do it um because that's really great and of course up to this point they were liquid year so now we've changed all the things and made an announcement so go check out all of that stuff hell yeah um and then also, of course, a big thank you to our Patreon subscribers, Michael I, Justin J, 
Daniel J and Beert. Um, without your Patreon contributions, we wouldn't have our website. We wouldn't have um, our, you know, hosting. We wouldn't be able to do what we're doing now. And because of you guys, we are able to make this content. So we love you very much and thank you. Thank you. It's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. And if you're interested in supporting that and you like our content and you want some more, um, definitely go to patreon.com slash podcast and check out our Patreon. Or simpler yet, you can just go to bitesizepodcast.com and that has links to all of our social media um, as well as the mail link that I was talking about earlier. You can also view our Patreon and um, view the podcast on pod automatic which is our um hosting service so if you want any of the links to that you can just find everything in one convenient place bitesizepodcast.com yeah okay bye okay bye